1: You can't be taking phone calls in our time, man.
2: No, man. My boss called and said, if I wanted to play spike ball, I need to do it now. I said, I can't do it.
0: Unprofessional.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and obviously, we're oozing profession over here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Aren't we backing?
0: Yes,
2: we are.
1: <laughs> Nick, where are you at these days? Where what, what kind of room are you
2: in right now? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm at my place of business I work at the gym d1 training just in an office here talking to you guys but yeah right outside of Nashville in Franklin actually okay you so you're full-time training right now no I'm actually outbound sales so oh. I'm trying I'm trying to recruit people um, recruit like teams like high schools uh, to take part of our training so that's kind of I just jumped into that role so that's what I'm doing because you're a smooth talker I am a smooth talker <laughs> and a good head
0: get a good bald head for it good. And, does that play well on
2: no. <laughs> on phone calls? <laughs> no, it doesn't actually. The people think I'm older because of it, but that's yeah. about it.
1: Wow. So you, um, Nick, looking at you, I can tell that you've lost
2: a little weight, brother. <sighs> about 20 about twenty pounds, yeah. That's what you're down, huh? Yeah, down in my college cross-country days. You know, um,
1: we're going to start off with what you got going on recently, but You remember, I'm not going to compare you to Lance Armstrong, but I'm going to compare you to Lance Armstrong right now. (laughs) You remember when Lance Armstrong got cancer, because Lance Armstrong was a sprinter on the bike. He was considered a muscly bike rider. Yeah. And then he got cancer and he lost roughly 20 pounds. And then he became the greatest bike rider to ever sit in the saddle because he got rid of unneeded weight.
2: Yeah. And...
1: Could that be you,
2: Nick? Oh, man. If... Sure, I don't know. I don't. I hope I don't have to lose uh lose one of the boys down there to make to make me one of the greatest. But um no, man, I um, I run better heavy, definitely than I did like when I was in college, smaller. So maybe when I come back, I'll be maybe at that perfect weight, maybe right in between. But that's what I'm looking at right now.
0: That's that's interesting. A, a decent amount of endurance athletes would take it as a little blessing in disguise if they suddenly had that quick weight drop. But you you feel that. Heavier is better. <laughs> better, <laughs> heavier is better when you race.
2: Yeah, especially for me. Um, I've seen we can go into my other condition, my rib condition that pops out of place. It seems like when I'm lighter, I don't have as much muscle there to just like be durable. I feel like being a little bit heavier, having some extra muscle on me, just makes me a lot more durable, especially for obstacle course racing when we have so many different styles of racing, so many mm-hmm. different terrains that it keeps my body more intact. Like I just. I try to run. I've been feeling better this week. So I went on a couple of runs and I'm maybe I'm just weak just from my condition, but my foot feels like it's already broken. So uh, I think extra weight on me just makes me more durable.
1: What do you mean, you're, I overheard when you were chatting on the phone with your boss before we started recording, he asked you to play what, spike ball? Yeah. And and you said, no, I got bigger things going on right now. I'm recording, <laughs> yeah. right? But you said something about your foot hurting. You haven't even been running much, what's going on?
2: Yeah, here? i ran three days in a row and then then I don't know, my right foot on my right side, the right side of it, I had a stress fracture there at the same exact spot a couple of years ago. And um, it's just like hurting it with every step. So that's another thing I got going on. Um, yeah, just kind of falling apart at this point, like the, in, the injury crowd, like you guys were. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying we're like it's past tense. Yeah, you guys are good. I mean, Kirk That's just fair. got ranked number seventh in the power ranking,
1: and that, those are everything. That yeah. is the gold <laughs> standard right there.
0: I talked to Mel Kuyper, and he's okay with those rankings. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, what do you you know? I actually just speak quickly on, um, like, you feel a little more durable when you're heavy. You know. I remember feeling quite fragile at times. I mean, some would consider me still fragile. But as far as recovery goes from big efforts and like getting through life and just being able to sustain constant work, I would say heavier, there's something to it. Like having a little more body on you can be helpful for those things.
2: You've noticed that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like when I was running in college, weighing like 150 pounds, like that's all I can do. That's literally, I went to class tired. I woke up tired. The only time I felt energized was running. And then when I have extra weight on me, one seventy five ish, not a big deal. But like, I feel like I can, I have energy with everything throughout the day. So for work, playing with my dog, being with friends, nightlife, like I have more energy than I ever had when I'm a little bit heavier.
0: Nightlife energy is that a (laughs) is that a big concern for you? I mean, I I am in the honky tonk
2: capital of the world. I mean, Music City, USA. So you got to have a little nightlife in you. You boot scooting a little bit? A little bit. A little bit out there on Broadway. Man, if I brought Kirk, if I brought Kirk down there with Broadway with me, man, we would just be you'd be mobbed. Uh, be mobbed. You'd be, be fighting them up. Do
1: you know that there was a guy in Nashville after I was on The Bachelor who told he looked it close enough to me that he was starting to get recognized as me? So he went with it and he was telling all these women that he was Kirk from The Bachelor, so he would sleaze it up and sleep with these women. And then I would get a message. I got a message from I don't know a half a dozen women saying, "Was that Jeez. you in Nashville?" Da, da, da. And I was like, "Nope, I'm right here in in Minnesota still." So there's some some sucker taking advantage in Nashville. Nick, find him. I haven't seen him. Oh my god.
2: Do you know the guy?
1: No, I don't know the guy. I've never met the guy. I don't even know what he looks like.
2: Th- that's as low as it gets, right? Yeah, that's that's like horrible self esteem for somebody. Like my own, I would
0: have horrible self esteem to have to do that. I had a bunch of women out there mad at me. All right, confessional corner. We're we're, we're skipping straight to confessional corner, Kirk. <laughs> yeah? In Tahoe one year, I was injured, and I was out there just coaching. <laughs> and uh, day one, Robert Killian wins the world title, his first win. Afterwards, had this thing where he was going to do the ultra the next day. So they got uh, a suite with an adjoining room so that he could sleep in there and his wife took the kids in the other room so that he could get as much sleep as possible and she she like took one for the team that weekend just so he could focus only on performance well I wasn't competing at all so I was hanging out probably just like 9 p.m 9 30 in the hot tub after David Magida and I did a lift workout in the hotel exercise room we went down in the hot tub afterwards and people kept coming up and congratulating me on my win because this was Robert's I think only he'd only been in the sport for less than a year. Yeah. And we were the only bald, pale white guys. And they just thought I was him. And after like the third or fourth time, Megidda said, this is getting out of hand. Just go with it. So the next group that came up, it was two guys and their girlfriends. Like, great. Oh, it's so good to meet you in person. I've been waiting all year to take a picture with you. Like, thank you so much. I appreciate your support. And so they came over and they took a picture with me as Robert Killian. David took it for them. They they went on their way. Magita and I finished up our hot tub session, went to bed. A couple of days later, after after the weekend died down, Killian calls me. He's like, Hey, you've got to like t- talk to Maxine. Like, what are you talking about? His wife's Maxine. He's like, We're in a fight right now because she thinks I was out in the hot tub with a bunch of women when <laughs> she thinks that I was in a separate room by myself resting up for the race the next day. And I said, no, that was Bracken. I said, well, we got to pump the brakes because I wasn't hanging out in a hot tub with women either. <laughs> they stopped by with their boyfriends and took a picture. The girls posted on his Facebook wall then, Hey, Robert, it was great seeing you in the hot tub the other night and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And posted. <laughs> But they didn't post the picture. So me pretending to be Robert Killian, got him into some marital trouble.
1: Man,
0: so you just can't go man, down that, that no, path.
1: Man, man. You're no better than this sleazeball in Nashville Bracken. No. In- no, I'm not. Nick, do you have uh, we started this confessional corner thing recently, and I still want to get to what you have going on today. But yeah, you got anything that comes to mind? if you ever cut a corner or skipped an obstacle or gave somebody the elbow or anything?
0: Pretended to be me.
2: <laughs> uh, no, I have been asked if I was bracket at a savage race people ask if I'm Yuri Force. Sometimes I want to yep. say yes, but mm-hmm. um nowhere near as fast as him. Um, not that comes on top of my head. I, mean, I maybe gave Jordan Buscemi the elbow a couple of times running past him. That's about it. I mean, that that's understandable. Yeah. That was friendly fight. He's, he's right? always asking for it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Maybe you just haven't been racing long enough. No, I'm pretty. I mean, the only thing I think about, there's this at Asheville in 2019, I fell off the Z wall and I did burpees really fast. And I don't think I did all 30 of them, but I didn't, nobody said any, like I didn't get dinged for it, but I was like, Everybody said you did those way too fast, and I'm like, I might just missed a couple, but nobody—I didn't get any penalized for them. So that's about all I could think of. Need to get that off my chest. Well, we're glad to be here for you. Yeah,
1: that's pretty. That's pretty safe. That's—I mm-hmm. mean, it wasn't. You thought you would get penalized, and you didn't. It's not like you were trying to cheat the system. I mean, right and
2: right? also in Fenway at 29. Oh yeah. Now the floodgates are I open. Broke I broke the tape. I broke the tape, and. Uh, everybody else after me got lost on course and now i'm like people like i got like angry dms on instagram people like in the stadium series points or whatever all were all mad at me because they didn't get their 12th place in the stadium ranking or something like that so i guess that's another thing i did
1: (laughs) nick i want to talk about what you have going on this is a little a little bit near and dear to my heart because my grandfather has had, had this one of my best friends had this so i saw your post uh what was it a month ago or so? Yeah, and my heart went out to you, man. Yeah, and so I wanted to start off with that. We're going to do the whole interview thing like we normally yeah. do. So we're going to get to that, but you felt, can you fill us in on what the, what the heck's going on on with you right now? Why you're down 20 pounds, all that?
2: Yeah, so I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. Um, happens mostly people under the age of 30, and then over people the age of 60 is when they first develop it. Um, it's a disease that causes inflammation in my large intestine or your colon, however you want to say it. And, um, we prefer it, colon. Colon, okay. Yes. Um, basically, just uh, getting inflamed down there, getting ulcers, bleeding, and um, white bloods, the white blood cells go to the inflammation, try to calm it down, why they do that. You have good bacteria, you have bad bacteria in your intestines. The white, the white blood cells are basically attacking my good bacteria, which is causing more inflammation. Which basically just makes, it's a short term that I have to go to the bathroom about 20 or 30 times a day. Um, It's an autoimmune disorder. Yeah, autoimmune disorder as well. So at the beginning of it, it happened about two weeks before Jacksonville race. I started showing symptoms for the first time. Like you guys, I told you guys, it was basically just bloody diarrhea about 15, 20 times a day. And then it just slowly got worse. Got a a severe pain a couple weeks after Jacksonville, ended up in the hospital. ER. I wasn't eating at all um, for like three or four days. I just didn't eat. The pain was so bad. And then um, got a colon got a colonoscopy. Did not look. The pictures did not look good. Do not recommend the the colonoscopy at all. Um, The prep for it just sucks. The actual procedure, you get a nice little nap, but that's the only the only benefit. And then um, so basically, I have this disease or condition, however you want to say it, for the rest of my life. There's medication that can, you know, help it, you know, diet can kind of help it as well. But right now I haven't responded well to any of the medication. I haven't been able to put on any of my weight. Um, This past week, you know, I've I've done pretty well. I've started a new steroid that's kind of helped out a little bit, but not as much as the doctors would have liked. Um, Like I said, I've ran a little bit because I'm feeling better. But um, next step is kind of an IV steroid, that I'm gonna have to go in for every couple of weeks for a couple of hours to get it dripped in me, but that's what I'm dealing with right now.
1: How how are you how are you handling the news?
2: Uh you know, I could get pretty emotional about it, but not good. I was not at first. Um, you know, being 25 years old, I moved to Nashville and uh mm. moved to Nashville, to kind of pursued my dream of being a professional athlete. You know, I wanted a job to get me more. I wanted a better job that I love, which I love this job. Um, And I wanted something that gave more time to train in a better area. You know, I met a bunch of awesome people here, like Olympic trial marathoners, you know, sub like four minute milers, like awesome trailers that I've been able to link up to. And I had awesome training. And then I was like, this is the dream. Like I'm, I got young twenties, no fan, like I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have a kid, I don't have any responsibilities. Just like, I want to go all in these next, in my twenties, basically. And then something like this hits, and you're like, "Shoot, man! Like I was in the best shape of my life six, seven weeks ago, and now I can barely walk around the block without having to go to the bathroom, or think that there's going to be an accident, or be completely out of breath." So that was really—it's—it's it's been hard, you know. Like, what's my future? Kind of. Um, am I ever going to get over this? Kind of. Which I know I will. You know, like you said, Lance Armstrong got over his cancer. And, I mean, it took him out for a while. You know, is there other other professional athletes to have this it just takes them out for a while but at the same time it's you know somebody i've been training my whole
0: life and then just be unhealthy like this it's kind of just messes with your head mm. so what is your future what i mean that's that's a big question but i mean who who do you have out there as kind of a, a beacon of hope what sort of athletes endurance in particular who have had ulcerative colitis and return to form
2: you know I, there's no like endurance athlete i can really think of that i've been looking up but um I actually just recently found out Patrick Saint Pierre or what his name is, the fighter, UFC fighter. He was actually on George. Joe Rogan. Yeah, George Saint Pierre. Um, I mean, he had this. It took him out for about a year. He would say, but he came back and you know won championships. Uh, I'm actually I listened to his Joe Rogan podcast and kind of going over like what he did. He did a lot of intermittent fasting, and that's what I've been doing. That's why this past week's been a little bit better because I've just been um, intermittent fasting a lot better, watching what I eat a lot better. But um, him. Brock Lesnar had this.
0: And he also had diverticulitis, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, and there's a lot of information out there on YouTube of people like having this and then, you know, it takes half a year, a year, two years and then they get finally no symptoms whatsoever and they're able to live their lives how they want to. But um, that's kind of the future right now. It's um, racing, is kind of like on a back burner and uh, Mm -hmm. that's emotional to talk about because I love it. Mm -hmm. That's about it.
0: It's one of those like that six month to one year prognosis, looks like eternity. You know, each of those guys you talked about came out the other side, but is is that? I mean, Brock had diverticulitis as well. George struggled with some other things as well. Is this linked to other? Does this is this kind of like a stepping stone where it has partner diseases or symptoms that flare up, or or were they unlucky? Are you looking like this might be the only piece that flares?
2: My doctor thinks would be the only piece that flares. Um, unfortunately, I do have both my grandparents and my mother's side both did have colon cancer and passed away from it. So that's definitely okay. something that mm-hmm. could, um, you know, people have ulcerative colitis when they get older, they do develop polyps more easily. So I I'm looking at getting colonoscopies probably every other year for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's fine, but, um, it, it can definitely go into something like colon cancer. You know, I had, I have family that's had it. I have my grandpa though. I mean, if there is a life at the end my grandpa, my dad's side, we, I never knew he had it, but he had ulcerative colitis when he was like 32. Mm-hmm. And um, he was able to kick it, and he hasn't shown a symptom in 50 years. So okay. there's that end of the spectrum as well. Um, so it, it can go either of the way. I've had a, a, my grandpa, my dad's side perfectly fine after about a year of having it. But then my mom's side ended up with colon cancer, you know?
1: Mm. You, you were not on a medis, medication called Accutane, were you ever? No. Okay. That's very well correlated with uh, like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. I only know that because one of my best friends had this medication called Accutane and then developed it shortly afterwards. But I'll tell you what, how old are you, Nick? 25. You're a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Plenty of time. I I mean, I was 21 when my life was swept out from underneath me in college. I had to drop out of grad school. I lost my scholarship uh, for running. I didn't compete. I didn't run. I lost... 20 pounds yeah. in a couple of months, and it was really bad. And everything was pulled out, and it was a hard fucking time. And I was confused and angry and upset and didn't understand. And the outlook was uncertain. And I'll tell you what, I'm so damn much better off for it yeah. today. And so it's just one of those things, man. Like, fuck, it sucks.
2: Yeah. Tough times make tough people. That's what I have been saying to myself every day. Like, you know, I get pretty upset a lot of times, but it's like just tough times make tough people. And, um, So my dad says to me a lot, he's like, he's like, my dad's a pretty successful guy. And he goes, I don't know anybody who's had
0: success, who has gone through a really tough time. So just stepping down. And I know this isn't about us giving you a shoulder to cry on and giving you a bunch of advice. But while you're here, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: one thing that I think directly can come out of this for you is a sense of pacing where you're 25, you uprooted your life to go after things, and you were the talk of the town. This is going to be one of those guys. It was you and Godette and maybe Lily Elkin, some of these athletes, yeah. guys and girls, who are the next thing. And I I could just sense you wanted it, and you wanted it now. Yeah. And if there's something Kirk and I learned, and Kirk, I can cut this part out if you want, because you haven't talked about it publicly at all. Oh, but sure. uh, Kirk got Lyme's disease last year, Kirk? I didn't share that publicly, yeah. And I can cut this out if you want. I don't mind. Um, but I've watched Kirk struggle on and off with that since we started this podcast. He got it early. Mm. It was diagnosed early on in the podcast. And that was one of those six to nine months before you even started having normal things like your heart's not palpitating mm. and, and and weird things like that. And obviously, I had two surgeries in the last year. And yeah. A, there's not a better time in sporting recent sporting history for us to go through this than right now because you're missing less but b we both came out the other side of this like things don't need to be right now anymore and and i wonder if that's going to be a huge benefit for you that suddenly your long-term career is going to matter more than they're right now yeah it's tough to accept but yeah. six to nine months in the moment is huge and then it goes by in the blink of an eye
2: yeah. And that's what I've been trying to tell myself too. Like I'm young. I got the rest of my life to do this. I mean, everybody who's good in this sport is in like their thirties, basically late um, older thirties or whatever. So that's not old at all, but like, I still have a lot of time. It's just, like you said, I wanted it right now, yeah. but can't always get what you want. And you know, I got to have faith. I try to have, I try to be like faithful, have a, be a man of God and just got to lean on just faith alone, basically. And, um, yeah. Like you said, it's going to be a long term thing and it's going to I'm going to go like Yancy. I've talked to Yancy about it. Cause you know, he had colon cancer. You know, he had whatever cancer he had, but you know, he had, it was definitely in um, his, like the same kind of thing. And it's just like, he's, you're going to become a lot better because of it. And you know, I mm-hmm. really like Yancy's motivation. He actually, I believe everything he basically says like that. So um yeah, like you guys said, it's going to be, once we get out of this, whatever, six, nine a year, like it's going to be a lot better. Just got to get
1: there. Days become very long when you're in your shoes, don't they, Nick? Oh yeah. I've never experienced longer days in my life. Yeah. So, so what is what is like the recommendation then for a guy like you? Because obviously, you know, when we had an episode with your wife, Brack and Lisa, it was like, you know, not only is this your identity, but it's your mental health, right? It's your it's your release, it's your way you connect with yourself and da da da, and all those really important things. So obviously, you want to get back to it for a number of reasons, I have to imagine. So. Mm -hmm. What, what is the recommendation? Like, what can you, are you allowed to get away with that isn't
2: a detriment to progress as far as like working out goes? Um, there's really no, like, it's kind of how the old thing, like you just got to do what you feel like. Um, there some days I feel like I just want to work out for 10 minutes and I just work out for 10 minutes and I, and I chalk that up as a victory. And then there's days like, Hey, I can go out and get on the rower for 30 or 40 minutes before my body says, Hey, you gotta get, you gotta go. Um, so there, but there's no, like doctor hasn't said anything like, Hey, you shouldn't work out. Um, he says, try to live your most normal life as possible. Um, there's, that's about it with me working out. It's just like whatever I feel like doing that day, if I can get it done, I chop it up as a little victory. But it's not like if you expend energy working out, you're going to set back. Like, yeah, I don't think so. Um, like I did just hurt my foot. Like I'm obviously bones are weak. Um, with this condition you can get like, you know, Iron deficiency, calcium deficiency, bones become weak just from losing so much. I don't know. I'm also, you can be very dehydrated a lot of the time. So basically just making sure all that's fine, but um, kind of just staying within yourself. Like I don't have a lot of energy right now anyway. So doing longer efforts obviously would make me a setback. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess probably would be just not any longer efforts and just do my short little 20 minute, 10 minute workouts I've been doing.
0: It's more of a function of you have to be near a bathroom. Yeah. 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 It can, um, we're well,
2: just, the worst part of the is like literally like, it's funny to make jokes like, Hey, Nick's full of shit. Like literally am, but like mm-hmm. literally have to be by a bathroom sometimes before, um,
0: it's kind of, that's kind of like the life right now. You know what? I went through this stage when I moved out to altitude the first time about a month or two in, right. As I got to the point where I was ready to start doing hard workouts, i couldn't start a workout without having like four or five like emergency bathroom trips yeah and it went away in about four to six weeks but those four to six weeks were really really frustrating because a i never knew when it was going to hit but Mm -hmm. b i knew it was going to hit every day and there was this track this middle school track that i went to the bathroom in their bushes Something like three or four times a week for four weeks because <laughs> I think I'd finally be done. I'd take like an hour and 15 minutes to work up to the track workout to try to get everything out yeah. and then in the middle of the first rep I just veer into the trees. And so I got a brief taste of it you know just four to yeah. six weeks and that is the worst just not having a schedule you can count on but knowing it's just looming.
2: yeah yeah that's uh that's kind of like life I, I my commute to work is 20 minutes and it's it's some of the most stressful of 20 minutes. of my day pretty much every day uh yeah i mean it's it's not a it's not enjoyable like but i mean that's kind of just a lot you gotta bring i bring extra clothes everywhere now i go bring a trash bag and if i can't find a bathroom i you know it's kind of embarrassing to say you know i just had to go in my pants and then you go to go to my work have showers here and clean myself off and just you know try to start the day again
0: so it's that unmanageable. It's it's not a choice. It's just it's happening it with happens. or without you.
2: Yeah, like I can't oh.
0: control it.
1: I'll tell you what, my my grandfather, my buddy, um, both of them, or my buddy in particular, struggled for like half a year with you know really tough uh, part of the process. But once he got it figured out, I mean, they they both were they both were okay. I experienced it. My buddy had it yeah. real real bad for a long time. So. You know, and as Bracken and I say, you're coming back from injury. Really, it's a unique kind of injury. Yeah, we will say, but never set timelines, right? Like, I'm sure you're like, well, if I can get back by now, and I can still run in West Virginia. <laughs> yeah,
2: I was already, I was already looking at my race schedule like, when I was in the ER, and I had my, <laughs> I was in my CT scan, uh-huh. and I came out of the doctor's like, your intestines are just like bad, like inflamed bad. I was like, uh. He's like, it's probably ulcer colitis, and I've never even heard of it before, and I immediately looked it up. And I was like, "Oh shoot! Looking at my race schedule, I can make it to Hildervat on May 22nd because um, I was I was looking forward to racing that race again." I was like, "Oh, okay. If I don't make it to Hildervat, I could definitely make it to AT Stadium with the Cowboys. Like that will be my race comeback. That's what, I will maybe get a big win and be real like real uh, motivational." Now I'm just looking like I don't even care. Like if I can get a race, if I can get a race in, the, if I can get to the Nashville Spartan race in late October, that would be awesome. But if not, like We'll just chalk it up and go to 2022. It's
1: like you got to just erase the whole year. It's a blank slate and then let your body
2: decide yeah, rather than your mind. You know what I mean? When you put a date on there, you start getting even more stressed out. And then being stressed out doesn't help my condition whatsoever even more. So
0: like you said, just don't want to put a date on the calendar. Well, I know you don't need to hear this, but man, I feel for you. That This is tough. And you don't want to see anyone go through this, let alone someone that you know what they've – what they've committed to and how close they were to, to get in there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So do we want to get, uh, if there, does anything you you want to add to that? I mean, I have a lot of questions about it. I know more about ulcerative colitis than the normal person, but anything else we missed about what's going on with you right now?
2: No, uh, about it. Ran Jacksonville with it. That's about kind of crazy. Yeah. I did that. And then um, kind of all went downhill from there, but I think I got it all. I think we're all pretty much set on what's happening with me.
1: If Jacksonville was a week later, would you have been able to race it? I was, that-
2: still, I was still running a week, week and a half later on my Strava. I was just sticking to like, I was still having to just stick to like a half mile radius of my house. Um, I mean, I was still showing like, I was going to the bathroom about 10 to 15 times a day, like the day before Jacksonville. And, uh, and that's when it was all blood. And, uh, I mean, I got to the race line and all adrenaline just took over. So maybe if I could get to a race like two weeks later and I had adrenaline, maybe, but that's the only reason I was able to race it. Cause, uh, I
0: was just fight or fly since this took over. I learned something about you during this process. And it was that I respect and like you more than I did prior. I mean, I respected and liked you, but yeah, there were so many pre-race excuse posts on Instagram, on Facebook in podcasts and you had the biggest one of all and really only a few people that you had talked to offline knew about it. Uh And afterwards you talked about it, but you didn't come up like, well, you know, whatever, whatever I can do. I have no excuses, but, and then list off all your excuses. You just showed up and did it in the worst condition out of any of us there. And I find that commendable. There's not enough people who just take their lumps without prepping everyone for the lumps that they're about to take so i i my respect level for you grew another few notches that day
2: thank you i mean i didn't say it but i definitely like mentally it messed with me like oh man yeah i have I, I should not be racing right now but i'm glad i did and uh yeah as soon as it was over i was like man should i just like tell everybody but i put i put it a little bit on my instagram like i, I was dealing with underlying health issues but i was still able to race so well, you didn't know what was going on exactly. No, no. I just yeah, thought I, didn't I had have a diagnosis. Yeah. 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 Like I told you, like, it's probably some parasite in which I did a stool sample and I did have a parasite. In, but it was like something I looked it up and the doctor looked it up like almost like nine out of 10 people have this. And it's all asymptomatic. Like every mm-hmm. once in a while, you might show symptoms and it's the same symptoms I was showing. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, that's not what, what it was, obviously. It's
1: one of those parasites. Like, if you've ever eaten sushi in your life, you probably have this parasite in your yeah, body. Like yeah, that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: All right. Well, just officially know that I'm rooting for you Thank even you. harder now, man. Yeah. And I got a lot of respect for what you're going through and understand it in my own right. So you're going to have to keep us posted. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. We should, Um. usually we wait to get to the serious stuff, right? Yeah. But we kind of fucked that up, didn't we, Bracken? Um. But let's let's uh, let's go back to your beginning, man, because I've heard a podcast with you um, on reinforced running, mm-hmm. kind of giving your backstory, I believe, with Rich and all of that. But we like to do it our own way, you know. So um, you've been an athlete your whole life, if I'm not mistaken, just not necessarily a runner. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was. I started running in sixth grade, like cross-country, but not really uh, – I didn't want really to start taking it seriously at high school. But, yeah, I was a, a four-sport athlete in high school. I did cross-country basketball, baseball, and track. Um, all four years. And then, um, yeah, played football, little to League baseball, growing all the way up till high school before I grew up um, into those sports. Who's better at basketball? You're Bracken.
0: I don't know. What's your game, Bracken? Nick's one of like four or five people that once or twice throughout a year in a comment or in a message will be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm better than you.
2: <laughs> Definitely when I was in, when I was in college, and I got, and I got really, like, I put all my muscle on me. That's when I was about 21, 22. I hit my peak, like jumping ability, athletic ability. Um, that's when I was doing a lot of like, I don't know, stuff in the gym. And I, you know, I was able to slam it. I was able to shoot it pretty well, you know, have a jump shot from the three point line pull up. So that's when I was definitely my best right now. You could definitely take.
0: Listen, there's no way of knowing We're, we all live different places and we've yeah. never seen each other play. But I just had this conversation with Lisa the other day. It was my 2 year anniversary since I last played basketball, like in a legit game. Yeah. So and, and that was the day I tweaked my hamstring yeah. and then I had a series to prepare for. So I didn't play. And then I was nervous and I didn't play. And then I had a torn meniscus in both knees. So I didn't play. So it's two years since I have gone up and down a court. So probably Kirk beats me right now. Yeah, he, be- he beats us. That's right.
2: Intramural champion in college—that's
0: about my highlight of basketball
2: career. You were solely one-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was our—I was our center of a basketball team. Everybody was—everybody <laughs> was six foot and um, shorter, and I was our center. And I was a point guard all throughout high school, but you know, I could get rebounds.
1: There's no we in team. There's just a me.
2: Yeah, just me. I, I did I did the tip-off. I got the rebounds. I brought it up the court. I shot the ball. That's yeah, I won that intramural championship. So you grew up in Illinois? Yeah, southern Illinois. Small town? Small town. Yeah, about twelve thousand people. And that's about the third biggest town in Southern Illinois. So yeah, small area.
1: What is um it's a part of the country that I've only driven through like briefly, because to your west you have Iowa, which is known to have some hills. Uh, But you
2: grew up in kind of the flatland, huh? I grew up in the hilliest part of Illinois. I grew up in just right outside of Shawnee National Forest that has a lot of beautiful trails, a lot of elevation gain throughout. My town specifically is flat, but just a short 15, 20 minute drive, you're in the Shawnee National Forest and with all the trails and hills that you want, basically. Hills, I say the biggest hill in that forest or in that park, it's like a 300 foot and about a half mile climb. So that's what you're looking at. Pretty not bad, but not amazing. It's not a mountain, but we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. And I can d- do that all day, up and down. I went up all the climbs. We have a place called Afton State Park by
1: me, and we have a lot of climbs. It's on the buff, bluff down into the the Mississippi River. They're all two fifty, Nick. Every single one. I went up every five of them,
2: all yeah. capping fifty. So three hundred sounds pretty pretty nice. Uh huh. That hill is my baby. It's called the the Boy Scout. Um, that's the And that's anybody who's in Southern Illinois on Shrava, that's what they run. And that's – you know, if anybody goes and takes that segment, I'm going to have to – sickness or not, I'm going to have to drive up there the next day and try to get it back. That's my you baby. You have the up and the down? Up and the down. That's my baby.
0: Oh, boy. Is anyone close?
2: No. We're, I would not say Southern Illinois is, produces a lot of great runners or athletes.
0: They're all from the north? Because Illinois
2: is known
1: to have a great
2: – Yeah, all the runners, good athletes are – central part and north southern part is about not a lot of people there
1: i don't feel like people realize how far
2: down illinois goes and how sparse it is in the bottom half of it not much going on yeah my hometown's about 45 minutes north of kentucky not a lot of stuff going on down there
0: if you Mm -hmm. had to restructure the united states you would make a 51st state between the upper limit would be milwaukee and the southern limit would be chicago And that would be its own state. And then you'd have these two very rural states of northern Wisconsin and southern Illinois, which are not at all like the Milwaukee-Chicago area. Yeah, that
2: sounds perfect, actually. Get northern Illinois, get them out of there. Get Chicago out of there.
0: And honestly, the people would prefer it, too.
2: Yeah, Yeah, the city people would prefer that. The rural area would prefer that. Absolutely. So Nick, what kind of kid were you growing up like? What was growing up like? I know you have a, a younger brother. Is that who you are older brother you're living with? I am. I'm the youngest of four. Um, right now I live with my second oldest brother in Nashville. Um, youngest of four, oldest brother and sister were actually adopted from Peru before my brother and I were born.
1: I have an adopted younger sister. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So I have a 22 year old sister who's adopted from Moscow, Russia. Nice, I was yeah. 21 in college. She was two when she came over. So I've never lived in the house with her, which is a little bizarre as an older brother.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Continue, though. Yeah, I did not know. But um, growing up, uh, kind of just your normal active kid. My dad was our high school principal. Um, so we were all pretty involved in the community, in the, high, in the schools. And then my mom's the guidance counselor of the school in a, in a, a different school in the county. So growing up you know brother and i were just kind of always outside playing with the neighborhood kids just not really inside ever i had a little chunky face like right before middle school where i didn't want to do anything but other than that it was sports summer league baseball going straight to basketball going straight to flag football going and then my mom yelling at us to do our homework and then our dad saying no just go outside so that's that's how we grew up
0: your principal father encouraged you to blow off your homework oh yeah oh yeah he was like well
2: he was like, do it. But at the end of the day, like, just go out, have fun. You know, you got the rest of your life.
0: Academics aren't Nick's trip to college. We're going yeah. to let it slide.
2: Yeah. My mom wanted academics. My mom wanted me to be an academic person, which I got good grades in high school and all throughout school. Like, I was okay. you know, A's and B's. But like, I just, I just didn't want it. Like, she wanted me to want it, basically.
1: I always wonder, like, you know, the preacher's daughter, the principal's son, mm-hmm. you know, it can go one of two ways, can it? Can you can be on that straight and narrow path, or you can be like rebel without a cause,
2: right? Yeah. I know a few on both sides of the path. Which one were you? Nick? my sister was the rebel without a cause. I it was me and my brothers were straight and narrow, like we have a plan. It was my sister who was like, "Ugh, what's going to go on with, with her today?" So that's you had out of the four kids, you had the the one troublemaker, the principal's kid, and then the other ones were
0: okay. Now I learned something about you and your family in Jacksonville. You have a twin. No, my brother... he told me he was your twin. No, <laughs> messing Brand, with you,
1: Brand. Okay, Brand is
0: unbelievable. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you could pass for it.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, we we look a lot alike. He's what frustrates me about my biological brother and I. We're we look a lot alike. We act a lot alike. But there's two things that just really just makes me mad. My mom has perfect, like no acne ever in her life, but like extremely pale. And then my dad is extremely tan but has horrible acne. My brother got the tanness and no acne, and I got acne and just paleness. Right in the sweet so, spot. Yeah. So we're basically twins if we if we didn't have different shapes of skin, basically. Different
0: color skin. I can't believe he dared lie to a host of the running public to his <sighs> face. That's that's him, man. Big liar. Oh, he's a good brother. He's uh
2: I mean he's the one who got me to move to Nashville. He's like He's the one who really wanted me to pursue obstacle course racing because I was working a job that I hated. He goes, hey, just move down here. We'll figure it out. And I just want you to – he he loves it. He loves going on races. He loves, like, telling people, um, like, what I do. And he's like, just come down here. We're going to figure it out, and let's just pursue your dream. So he's a good good big brother. He did well, actually, in Jacksonville, too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, kind of made me mad (laughs) because he just does (laughs) F45 every day. He doesn't run a step. And then he gets fifth place in his age group. And like, I saw him walking on the court. He's like, I just, that's what I need to take a break. And then he would sprint. <laughs> I mean, he's a good athlete. He's a good athlete. He, I mean, he does f 45 every day. And, um, but yeah, that's kind of, just, it just kind of made me mad how well he did. And then he got the tire, which he, he doesn't let me, um, he just always
0: reminds me every other day. I dried off by then. Yeah. Knows yeah. Well, he's a liar and you're not. So you that's have that true. going for you. Uh-huh.
1: So take us through your your uh, your sports progression, then. That's where this conversation started. So oh, you yeah. went and you you're a four sport athlete in high school.
2: And yeah. what was your love? Uh, love going into high school was definitely basketball. Um, unfortunately, um, in eighth grade, I broke my ankle playing basketball. So uh, that kind of like I don't know. I still loved it. I was five foot, a hundred pounds going to my freshman year of high school. So I didn't have a lot of like. My is a football town. I thought I was still gonna be a football player, but with a bad ankle, I decided to go out to cross country, quickly learn, like I love cross country, um, but still love basketball, still love baseball. And um, that's kind of how it went. I, was, I always say I was about the most average high school athlete you could possibly think of. Um, Cross-country junior year, states, there was 200 kids that run the state meet. I got 100th place. So about, you know, just the average high school athlete could throw a baseball like 75 miles an hour. But he threw, if somebody pitched a curveball, I couldn't hit it. Um, just an average basketball player. Uh, that's about an average, like five points a game. But I averaged like 10 offensive rebounds. That's about my highlight of basketball. I was a rebounder um but just an average guy but uh, luckily i got a scholarship to run at a junior college i basically convinced the coach i was like hey i've never really focused on running ever got a scholarship to a junior college and ran there for a year and and uh the school cut the program after my freshman year <laughs> Ugh.
0: uh
2: but um uh, i had a i had a good time running in college i uh that's the first time i ever like dedicated to a program like to a running program I had a coach i knew what he was talking about uh, Ran like a low 28 in the 8K and then ran like a 407 in the 1500. Got second to last place at Nationals and never ran a cross country track meet again. In high school was the reason that you were
1: middle of the pack? Because right now, like you have a run talent, man. You really do considering your background. Um, And so was it just because you didn't feed that talent because you never trained in the offseason? Is that why you never saw
2: potential? Yeah, I kind of like say, you know, I've listened to your guys' podcast, Bracken. I feel like I'm a poor man Bracken Crocker basically. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, give
0: yourself some credit.
2: Yeah. But, um, I, would say, I would say I excelled in cross-country um, the most. You know, it's definitely in Southern Illinois. There's not a lot of great runners. I would always probably finish in the top five or ten in the cross-country meets in the area. Um, got all conference three times, got all south three times, and then qualified for state twice. So cross-country was definitely it. But just compared to the rest of the kids, um, like in the States, I was just average. And I just – yeah, I just never really dedicated – to a sport in the off season like as soon as cross country was over it was straight to basketball and i didn't pick up a basketball until basketball season as soon as basketball was over i picked up my baseball glove for the first time or i put on my track spikes for the first time so i never really and then in summertime i did run in the cross country like we had practices but i would i would go from work to cross country to basketball practice to baseball and just never really dedicated a lot of time to just one thing
0: i just wanted to do it all basically so you transitioned to a JUCO. Mm-hmm. What was that year like? Because JUCO is really hit or miss
2: yeah. in
0: terms of coaching, athletic department, teammates, structure. Yeah,
2: so, I mean, high school, we were cross-country. We were one of the best cross-country teams in our school history. Like, we were. We were the first team to qualify for state. Uh, we were run, like, 15 miles a week. We But we had a good pack, um, yeah. and we would just, like – we were good for Southern Illinois. We had a really good pack, and then, you know, I was the best one on the team, and, uh, and a bunch of guys in the area. We all wanted to, like, we all said, let's go to Ren Lake. We're in Lake College. It's right there. We can get a full ride, and then let's see if we can all become good. And then once I got to college, and I had a coach that uh, actually, it's kind of funny. Our first coach who recruited me, he was very laid back. And then two weeks into the season, he actually uh, he quit. He quit. He resigned. And then we got a new coach who was actually an alumni of the program. And I remember um, our first practice, he goes, all right, we're doing 2400s. And I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, so that was definitely a big adjustment for me personally, because I didn't come from a very strong running, like from a coach who like, knew a lot about cross country and running. But it was very hit or miss. It was very like you had to get good fast in junior college. You know, we we're only supposed to be there for two years. So the coach was very pushy. And the fact like you had to run at least like a 630 pace on your eight mile runs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But then at the same time, like we didn't have any equipment. We didn't have really much of a budget. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very weird. I don't know if I'm answering this question right. But like we just didn't have a lot of support, but we mm-hmm. had to get good really, really fast in order to try to make some of us want to go to the next level. So it, it feel like it was just very accelerated at the junior college level. And uh, yeah, I mean, you you get it. It's like kind of like a D three. You get in a bus with ten other guys, and you got to drive five hours to a cross country meet. And uh, you know, you have to pay for all all your own stuff, and then you go right back, and then you're in class the next day. So it's very, very weird. Um, But the good thing is about junior college, they do offer full ride scholarships, at least in Illinois. So that was a plus to be running and get my school paid for.
0: When you left high school, what were your PRs? I
2: was in Illinois, you do the three mile. So yep. like, like Morgan talked about, like I ran a 1620 estate. That was my PR, my junior year, senior year, I kind of got injured. And then I ran a 440 mile that was after a baseball game. That was my PR and then um, a two, a high, no, a low 201, 800. Okay. Yeah.
0: Which is probably your best then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just time-wise comparatively. Yeah. I
2: mean in college I dropped the two hundred down to a one fifty I mean the eight hundred down to one fifty nine. And then
0: but yeah, that was uh yeah, that's about my best. Yeah. That but but then you ran four hundred seven in the fifteen hundred, which is anywhere from depending on who you talk to, four twenty-five, four twenty seven in a mile. That's a significant drop. You know, almost yeah. what, fifteen seconds yeah. in the mile over a year.
2: Yeah. So like I mean, in high school I was in the springtime, baseball and track, I had to sign a contract to say which was my priority sport. Um, so baseball was my priority sport. I had to get both coaches to sign off on it. And my track coach was like, yeah, we need a distance runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so he so he was very flexible. Baseball coach wasn't as flexible, Like, but I had to go. I can only go to like four meets. So it was like our home meet, conference okay. meets, sectional. So um, like the baseball game was our home meet. Like when I ran the 440-1600, it was only because it was at our home meet and I played right field in baseball. And as soon as the game got over, I just went over to the track and the 1600 said, you had two minutes. I put on my spikes. I had eye black on, I put on my jersey <laughs> and I just and I, and I just gunned it. And that was like, when I ran at 440, that was actually like a 10 second PR that day. Um, I just never ran like for track in high school. Like I, baseball was my priority. I would get to the baseball field, we would do like a 10 minute warm up and I would just hammer that in my baseball cleats and yeah. that was my that was my workout for track as well. So uh-huh. you were real raw. I was real raw. Yeah. Yeah, so I always wish I could have had a second year of college track. That really cuz I was putting on the miles, I was putting on some really good speed. Like I got that track speed finally, you know, like you're able to just rip off a 345 seconds and do like 10 of those and you're like i couldn't do that now and i'm in way better shape um but i finally got that track to was like i just need another year i need that summer and another year and i could have been probably at least sub four in the 15 i feel like yeah
1: you mentioned that all the kids from your high school wanted to go to juco together is that what you guys ended up doing like a bunch of you went and were teammates
2: yeah so like um i would say like my rival in high school like cross country and track um his name's Tony. We battled out at every conference across country and every in the eight hundred and sixteen. And we were like, dude, let's just go to Rin Lake. And we got a guy from another school that was always with us. And then three kids from one school. We all kind of just like got together at our sectional track meet, kind of like it was over. And like, what are we what are we thinking, guys? And we all just said, Let's go to Rin Lake. It's all right there. And um, so that was fun. Like I got my, I already knew my teammates going to college, basically.
1: That's cool. That's a cool way to do it. Yeah. That is cool. And did you, what did you guys do it collectively then when your program fell apart?
2: Uh,
0: did they cut your scholarships then, or did they honor them?
2: They honored our scholarships. So they announced our program was going to get cut spring break of my freshman year. Illinois went through a really bad budget crisis.
0: Every school something had to go, which is in the middle of indoor and outdoor track. Usually,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we would just got done. We were all like some of us like we took the week off like because all of us commuted, so we didn't meet up. Um, I remember going to the track and my coach called me and said, Hey, program got cut. They let, they're going to let us finish the outdoor season. Okay. Um, but yeah, Illinois went through a bad budget crisis. Every school had to cut something. So they cut four sports right there, boys and girls, cross country and track. Um, so they cut four sports, which kind of sucks because we're like the only national championships were cross country and track national championships.
0: Um, well, and it's not like it's D one where you sell tickets to the football games.
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. But after they announced they're going to cut our track program, this is where like you better love running in JUCO if you want to be if you're going to do that. Everybody just quit basically. Um, like they said, they're going to keep our scholarships, so everybody just quit. But me, two other distance guys, a sprinter, and a jumper, would we'll say we're going to finish out the year. We showed up to practice every day. Oh, they the
0: rest didn't even finish out outdoor season. They didn't
2: even finish outdoor season. Now they said we're. They kind of like, that's where you got to have the passion for it. They didn't have the passion for running.
0: What about the coaches? Even,
2: the coach, the, the coach showed up. Oh, okay. The coach showed up. Well, he would give us our, sometimes he would show up because he was a, he was a, he was a part-time teacher and coach. So sometimes he had, they scheduled his, man, this is real messed up. They scheduled his classes during our practice time, half the time. So we, he would send us our workouts like via text. And it was just me and two other distance guys, and one and one of the distance guys redshirted because he was actually going to go to a D one school the next year. He was going to go to Eastern Illinois, so he wanted another year of eligibility with an actual team. So it was just me, two other distance guys, and the other distance guy wasn't really even competing. Um, we showed up every day, put our tracks, put on trainers, and we went to the track, went to the trails. Um, that's where I kind of like this is the most JUCO
0: story I've ever heard. It is
2: like, <laughs> like uh, last chance, you if they did a track, like a track program last year of Renly College would have been amazing.
0: Can you imagine at a university if they scheduled the head coach to teach during (laughs) practice time? Can you imagine that? No. Uh,
2: Yeah. Then, oh my gosh. It was just so, I remember like, like, what am I doing here? Like, nobody's here, but I just wanted, I just wanted to be like, I'm a college athlete. I guess that's cool. I wanted to like, Tell people I went to school with. I was a college athlete. Here's my logo, and um,
1: yeah. Did you run four oh seven and one fifty nine at the end of that season with no real guidance or structure? Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
2: Uh, nice. They, our coach, at least, he drove us out the nationals. At least, my guy. He, he did do that. I I really like the guy. His hands were just tied. They kind of threw him the program out of nowhere. Um, it's really funny because the college, like five years before that, built the tr- built a track, built this huge track facility with like a million dollars added to it and then it's just gone um i i've drive by it every now and then and they still have like hurdles out there and they'll have like the high jump pit still out there and it's just like weeds growing through the track now it's t- kind of sad but um yeah we showed up uh, and um so there was me the other guy was a steeple chaser and then we had a sprinter and then we had a high jumper who actually got second and national
0: wait <laughs> You weren't talking about your personal distance coach. You had one coach for track. Yeah, one coach for track. <laughs> Sprints, jumps, uh huh, throws, distance. Yeah. yeah, so our
2: sprint, our sprint. So, approach- wait,
0: wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when your coach had to teach, there was not a coach. Ever. It wasn't that one distance no, coach could yeah. show up. It's that the team didn't have a coach present. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This this gets more juco by the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I missed something in your initial.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, guess, I, I didn't explain it very well. Yeah. But
0: you didn't know any different, I bet, in a sense. I really did It's
1: your only was, college
2: experience. I was training more than what I was in high school at the time. In high school, we had probably six or seven coaches, but I just could never make the practice. I was like, hey, I'm going to practice
0: at least every day here after school. So he's standing there, timing your splits, and then given tips to the high jumper.
2: Well, the high jumper had uh, his own personalized coach from like when he was little. Like he was good. He was like a seven foot plus. So he just brought jumper.
0: a family friend with him.
2: Yeah. So he had an actual like coach that like he hired by like the hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That would, like, went with him. Like It was kind of funny because he went to nationals for indoor and outdoor. And our college didn't pay for a program the next year, but they paid for his personalized coach to have a hotel room and have a to have a ticket and have a meal uh money but um yeah that's we had one coach for everything that's
0: that's that's good stuff
2: uh-huh but the cross country, the cross country team like we had like 10 kids on there and you know he was there every day for that practice so that the cross country season actually went amazing i thought the track season kind of would just fell apart
1: so so what does nick Riker do the season ends and it's like now what
2: season ends i get second to last at nationals um, I ran a PR though, 4, 407, oh, 4.08, I think I ran a Nationals. I went out too hard there. Um, that's not a Nick. That's not a Nick Raker thing to do. Go out too hard. I, well, my coach was <laughs> like, my coach is like, you're not be able to. You're not gonna be able to outkick him because it's gonna be a slow. It it was prelims, so it was like you're not gonna be able to outkick him. It's gonna be a state of kick race, and I was like, this is my last track race, so I went out in a two oh one, and then I died, and I think, and I then I closed in a what two? I think it was a 210, two ten. I think I ran. I think I ran a 410 or 411 at nationals. My PR came at regionals the race before. Um,
0: there are only two types of racers in prelims at nationals. Yeah. There are people who are trying to get through to finals and there are people trying not to take last. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to take last. No. And you did that. That's a win.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, but I was trying to qualify because I was like, this is, I'm not going to be able to outkick them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not like, I don't like a 159, 800. It's not going to outkick people at a 15. Cause we were still, there's still a lot of good athletes at the Juco level. I mean, the winner in my heat alone, there was the, the eventual first place, second place and fourth place guys. And there was a lot of good runners still. So I was like, I'm just going to go and make a moment out of this. So I ran out at 201 and I was in the lead and by 900 meters, everybody caught me and I was just held on to that second to last. But, uh, just so
1: you know, that math would work out. If you went out in 201, I mean, you didn't run a full 800 the second round. You probably came home in like 222.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm fully aware. <laughs> okay, I'm fully I'm just, aware. That is an epically painful way to run a right I remember getting to the last 300. like, wow,
0: I got a long <laughs> way to go
2: <laughs> before I'm done. <laughs>
0: If there, if no one's ever tried this, there might not be a more like physically painful running experience than running the first half of a mile at just slower than your 800 meter PR pace. Oh, yeah. And then having to finish. Yeah. That's just brutal.
2: Yeah. I love it every year at the... um, What's that big mile race in New York that's on the road, like the Fifth Avenue Mile or something mm-hmm. like that? They have a, a $1,000 bonus if you're winning at the half mile marker. But you still have to run a sub-four-minute mile to get the yes. bonus. And every year, you have to see some guy goes out, like like they race that first half mile, and then they are they finish second to last place. But they'll finish right under four and get that 1K bonus. I, I love that race. So, so painful. So,
1: okay. so, so you blew up at Nats, and we're still so – then what? What happens?
2: Uh, Nick goes home, home for the summer. I worked at church camp um my summertime in college. So I went out to North Carolina, worked at church camp. Uh, then like I was, I was faced with a decision. I was like, do I want to transfer to another junior college? Cause a bunch of junior colleges reached out and said, you could transfer here. You'll have a scholarship. Um, I, I almost transferred to Vincent's Indiana, which is a really good running school. Or do I want to just honor my scholarship, my second year, get a second year paid for, or do I want to walk on to Southern North University, Uni- um, college, um, that's right down the road. And I sat, I took a whole summer off of running and I said, I don't want to run anymore. I, I told myself I'm retired from racing, running. My rib was getting really bad. Um, my rib pops out of place and that was getting really bad. And I was like, I don't, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, I got my school paid for. I'm going to finally lift some weights and get some muscle on me. And that's what I did for two years. I didn't run at all. And uh, I remember just going to school and then going home. And I was like, this is awesome. I don't have to suffer every day anymore, and just lift weights, and I gain twenty, thirty pounds pretty quickly. Um, my first semester of college, I weighed one forty-five. At the my last semester of college, I weighed one eighty-five. So I had a good, good little four years there
0: after. Good three years after running. I've I've been there. Yeah i've been there <laughs> yeah uh twice before i graduated i i quit sports <laughs> yeah <laughs> and moved back to that let's lift and enjoy life it's a it's a enticing time
2: yeah and then at the same time like you know i i miss like having a goal like i miss yeah. um having a teammates miss everything so i remember that was kind of a hard adjustment i was like am i just not an athlete anymore like people just go throughout lives like not wanting to do anything Um, not wanting to do, but like just not wanting to pursue it athletically anymore. So I remember that took some time getting used to, but that's when I found Spartan quickly after
0: that. And, but I do want that, but right before there, I, I want to re revisit the rib. Let's talk about that rib. It's not, it's not something you hear about a lot. My rib was getting bad. It just pops out of place. What's that?
2: Uh, so yeah, I guess it happened my first time when I was 15. So, um, coming on a decade of this happening. Um, my sophomore year of high school, running a cross-country meet, I feel pain in my side. I'm like, gosh, I got a bad cramp. Finished the race. The next day, I was walking up the stairs at school, pain in my side again. I was like, well, this is, this is weird. Went to practice, hurt while I was running. I was like, this is really weird. Saw the trainer and she rubbed her. Uh, she just put her hands up and down my side. She goes, oh, your ribs popped out of place. Um, you probably just sneezed too hard and it popped out. Or something like that. That's
1: when you say. Sorry to interrupt. When you say popped out, the, oh, yeah. the rib socket where it inserts into the spine popped out.
2: First. Yeah. So your last couple of ribs, um, false ribs, or however you want to say it, they're just floating attached, ribs. Floating ribs. They're just attached to cartilage. They're not attached to the sternum at all. Um, so they would pop out of the cartilage, um, is what it would do. And then she would just like do a little down and in,
0: and just it would just pop right back in. Now, bottom one or sandwiched in the middle.
2: Uh, not the very bottom one, probably the, I'm feeling it right now, like the third from the bottom.
0: Oh, so it's not something you could get removed.
2: I've looked into it. Uh, my parents are very much against it. Like growing up, they did not want it. Cause at the time when like we thought about it, a lot of researchers show people would get it removed and then they just couldn't feel comfortable anymore. Like they would be like a soft spot. And yeah. then you're like, well, your ribs there for a reason to like protect yourself at the same time and I was playing other sports. So it was like, what do I, what what do we do here? Like, is it worth it long-term? Do they do artificial ribs? Uh, I would have to look it up again. I know the only athlete I know who's got their rib removed is Chris Carpenter, the baseball player. And he got it removed and he pitched in the World Series that same year. But it's uh, just a different, I mean, it's just different for everybody.
1: So this is in the front where the rib inserts into the cartilage, not
2: the back. Yeah, it's the front.
1: The front got it. So when you're expanding your lungs, your your
2: rib cage expands. That's the problem, in a sense. Yeah, that's what it's kind of like. Whatever, you know, I have I'm going at red line, and you know I'm breathing pretty heavy, and my lungs are expanding. That's when it pops out. And then I think the years of baseball, the because it's on my right side, the constant throwing, and then the constant swinging the bat. I think just so much torque put on it. Um, Basically, I've seen a ton of doctors, and they say your cartilage is just so damaged, it's just never gonna be healed. So that's, so we're going on a decade of, I mean, it was really bad in high school, Mike, my senior year, it was really bad. I mean, it would, I would run a half a mile and it would pop out of place and I would just like drop out basically. Um, So that got really bad. I went through physical therapy for it. I built up a lot of muscle around it. Um, But yeah, like cross country, just like, I mean, it was weird. Some races, it just wouldn't pop out. And then some races, it would pop out within a mile. And I just, just pain. Best describe that pain. That's what I want to know. That the pain, oh, like it's just somebody just constantly stabbing you, just and not just like a a constant stab, like it's a stab, 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 like over and over and over again. Um, like it almost brings me, it almost like makes me hunch over, to like I can't breathe as much and like almost to the ground, like when it gets out really bad. Um, just that can you stabbing. pop it
0: back in yourself? Now
2: I've never been able to. I that's uh, like I never like moving to Nashville was scary because there's only been one person that's able to pop in my rib, and that's the athletic trainer. Um, I would go really? to the yeah, I'll go to the hospital still now, like <clears throat> like being out of high school, out of college. I would go she would just like text like text me whenever you need to pop in. So I would text her, pop it back in and ice it down and try to maybe wait a couple of days before doing a hard workout. And that's that was kind of that's been my 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 life. If you compare it have you ever had a traditional side cramp? Yeah. Compare the two. Uh it's a lot alike, but the side cramp you know is gonna go away. This is, you know, it's it's not gonna go away until you have to get some that you have to go see Sarah, my athletic trainer. Um the side cramp the side cramp, you know, okay, let me drink some water, let me get some fluids in me, like I'll be good. Let me just stop running for a second and the cramp's gonna go away. This, no.
1: This is a teachable moment that I want to tell the audience something. So when you cramp, where, what side of the body do you cramp on? Think about that typically. Bracken, have you ever had a bad side cramp? Yeah. What side typically, do you know what side typically goes the worst? Can you pinpoint it? I want to say my right. Your answer is correct. Okay. So most of us cramp on our right side, which would be more indicative. Like you, No wonder you thought you had a side cramp. So the, you can yeah. cramp on both. But the reason we cramp on our right side is because... A uh, side cramp is the cramp of your diaphragm, which separates your heart lungs from your like organs, right? Your and that diaphragm cramps, it spasms that separates that thin muscle lining. And when you're breathing hard, that diaphragm opens up and it keeps bumping into your liver on your right side. Your liver is like the largest organ in your body. So that diaphragm, when you breathe hard, keeps bumping into the liver because there's not much room there and it gets pissed off and cramps. And that's why we always have side cramps on our right side that are the worst. Did you guys know that? No. It's nope. Your liver. Just thought I'd share that one. So any side crampers out there, your liver's the problem.
0: So what's the actionable info for that then?
1: Well, it's, um, you're, you can, you know, you can develop a tolerance to it. Your body, your your diaphragm eventually somewhat gets used to ramming into your liver and it becomes more resilient to not cramping. But yeah, that's the typical reason why the right side cramps are the ones that are like the, the game
0: enders. So then why does it happen more often when you're out of shape? Because your, your diaphragm's not acclimated to that. Uh, sort of stressor it's a resistance to impact thing it must be yeah makes sense to oh. me isn't that interesting yeah
1: anyways i just wanted to get that out there because that comes up a lot when i have personal conversations with athletes and we've never talked about that on the podcast
0: okay so when they tell you to push out and breathe more diaphragm um to combat mm-hmm. that what is that counterintuitive or is that i can't speak to that i sure. don't know
1: This whole like breathe out when your one leg is forward and your other leg is back must have something to do with the way like your, your torso torques or the way things open up maybe in your abdomen when your stride or your pelvis is split between what foot is forward or backwards. But I don't know those answers, but I do know that the right sides are the ones that'll take you out because of the influence of the liver there.
0: So what's actually your diaphragm,
1: the thin muscle that separates your heart lungs from your GI tract. It's your, it's the thin muscles cramping. That's a side cramp is your diaphragm cramping that helps you breathe. And that's why when you breathe, then you can't get a full breath. When you get a bad cramp and you're like, I can't get a full breath. It's because your diaphragm won't allow your lungs to open up. It's a crazy world.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I like that's that. why
1: I said it was a teachable moment. That's why I thought I'd bring it up. Not, not a rib issue, but nonetheless, it reminded mm.
0: me. Yeah. So you're stuck now. If it pops out now, you have to go find, what did you say? Kelly? Sarah. That's what I said.
2: So. Uh, so my brother did pop it in not too long. Like he's popped it in because he's a nurse. So I trust him. Um, he just like, well, when he did it, I was just sore. I've never been sore from Sarah really doing it. But so it, it's very, very like, you don't like, there's a fine line of popping it in and then breaking it almost. Um, so you, you got to have that delicate touch.
0: So that's why you wear your, uh, your KT tape all over your ribs. Yep.
2: Yeah. And those, and I do find,
0: KT tape has
2: helped me. I mean, it's still going to pop out every now and then, but it's going to delay it from further on. Like it might pop out a half mile left in the race instead of a half mile into the race kind of thing.
0: How many times in OCR has it popped out? Not that much. That's why
2: I like really, OCR I feel like gave me a second chance to be an athlete. Um, I can maybe count out all the races I've done a couple of times. And the only reason why I could explain it because you're not having to run five flat mile pace the entire race um you know you get those short little breaks like in Jacksonville, we ran through water for a mile mile and a half like you're not you're naturally you know not breathing as hard you my blood's not my heart's not peeping as fast so um
0: was it a stadium that it happened in
2: yeah stadium is where it's going to happen most likely yeah okay <laughs> yeah because
0: that's the diaphragm just exhausting yeah. full expansion race yeah like
2: dallas cowboys i remember it did and I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is bad. But, um, and I, and stadiums are my favorite kind of race, but, um, yeah, normal OCR races. I have not really had much of a problem with it.
0: Interesting. So, so you found Spartan. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How? Um, my, when I gave up running, I was still, you know, I was weightlifting and I would still like run two times a week, like 10 minutes as fast as possible. And then I would weightlift. And my one of my best friends, Jordan, in college, he did a Spartan race down at Fort Campbell. And he was like, hey, Nick, you would probably be pretty good at this. You used to be a really good runner, and you've gained a lot of muscle, and you might be good at this. I said, sure. And I signed up for the Atlanta one in 2016. I was my sophomore year of college. Sophomore? Yeah, sophomore, second semester, sophomore year of college. So one year out of running post-collegiately. And I went to the Atlanta race and ran the Elite Heat finished like 90th place. And I said, I don't really ever want to do this again. I did not have an enjoyable time. Why? Uh, I fell three. It was cold. I fell three obstacles. I was really out of shape. I, there was big chubby dads passing me because I couldn't complete any of the obstacles. Uh, Robert Killian was there and I thought like I can race with him and I couldn't. I was like, well, I'm never going to be that good. And I went through the dunk wall. I got like hypothermia. I was so cold. I was never like big into like, like being muddy as a kid like i was always outside but like if there was ever mud we had to go through the trails like i didn't want to get ticks on me like i was just never big into like getting cut up so i was like it just wasn't me i was like i didn't grow up in the woods i grew up riding bikes on roads and playing a whistle ball but not going mudding and i just that wasn't me i thought but so didn't have fun
0: why'd you come back <laughs> yeah what the hell? because that's the experience right all runners almost all runners who come over unless a buddy brought them in and trained them up for a few months prior, uh-huh. they all come over and get slapped like that. Why'd you come back?
2: I came back. Cause you know, I missed the urge of being an athlete. I was, like, I'm, I was training a lot. I was late, weightlifting a lot. I was like, why am I working out in the gym for an hour a day if I'm not going to do anything with it? And then a couple months went by after that race. And I was like, I can't, I can't just leave this and be 90th place. Like I'm a better athlete than that. Were you actually 90th place? Were you exaggerating? I was 90th. I fell. I fell three obstacles. I walked up all the hills. I didn't have a good time. Oh,
1: yeah, How much did you
2: walk? Yeah, I walked up all the hills. And my dad, my dad went with me. He was still really impressed. He was like, "That was that was amazing. Look at all this stuff you did." I was like, "That was." I feel like I was shot.
0: It Nick, it's interesting. In the running community, the perception of OCR is people will say, what, you're just going to keep adding elements until there's something you can be good at again? answer is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because what do you do when you leave college if you're not national level? You run road races and you'll never make any money and you'll be competitive at small races that you're embarrassed to be really competitive in. Or you go to big races and you get spanked yeah we found a sport which allows you to continue the college lifestyle which is train hard and race competitively and have a chance at winning some money and doing some things that are exciting and getting some sponsorships yeah people use that as a, oh that's a negative no that's that is the positive
2: yeah and um that's kind of like after my second race it's kind of like what i went into it with um i i went back because i just i just wanted I really just wanted to, you know, feel good about my race and do like train and like training for something. I just, that's all I knew growing up. Um, so that's why I went back. I went back a whole year later to the same venue, Atlanta Spartan Race. And uh, I got 14th place. And I was like, look at there. I'm like a big dog now. I got 14th place. I'm like one of the best. I'm 20. I was 22. I was like, I'm I'm amazing. They should be looking at me for the best Spartan pro or something like that.
1: You Did you actually think that, by the way? Are you being funny?
2: or I did. No, I did think that I was. I, I remember finishing 14th, and I told all my friends, I was like, I'm a big dog. Like, there was like, because there was like 300 people on the race. That was in the days, like, when everybody signed up for the elite race. And I was like, I'm really good. Like, I, I, I did like a whole year, like a whole year of like running. Like, I would run like 20 miles a week, like as fast as possible every time I went out there to run. I would do like three mile runs, like in 19, 18 minutes every time. And then, like, I was like, I'm in shape. And I did that race, and I was like, This is something I want to pursue now.
0: So you pursued it. What did that look like?
2: So I pursued it. So I did have to go that summer. That was what my junior year, my second race of college. I went to go work that church camp again.
1: I want to interrupt you real quick. Uh Because you said you spent like three years lifting weights and gaining muscle. Yeah. So in this time, you're still like bro Nick with your buddies in the gym, like running three miles, then lifting chest and back.
2: Yeah, 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 I would, run, I would run in the mornings before class because I didn't have to get to class every day till like 10 a.m. It was an awesome schedule. Um, so I would run in the mornings and then like go to school from like 10 to three, meet up with my friend at the gym at like 3.30 and we would lift like an hour and a half, like chest, arms, triceps, back okay. every single day.
1: If you had to pick at that time in your life, was it like I can either gain muscle or get better at Spartan? If you had to pick, then gain what would muscle. it be?
2: It, it was gain
1: muscle. It was gain muscle. So you were—that's what you were doing. I just want to like understand. Yeah. You were still focused on being broy. Oh yeah. Not focused on performance that helped performance.
2: Okay. I got up to like one eighty-five, just like muscle. I was like, dang, I actually look good now because you know all I knew was a skinny runner. Yeah. Um So yeah, that was my focus: was lifting.
1: You know what though, when I did this, so myself, I went from about a hundred, when I got, I got real sick at the end of college and I told my story on my own pod, my yeah. podcast myself, but I was down to 140 pounds. And then about three years after I started to feel better in front of the gym, I was 170 pounds. I gained about 30 pounds of muscle. And in that time I'd run like three miles hard three times a week. Yeah. But you know what, like, sounds like the Nick Riker training plan. But once I decided to take running seriously again, I kind of did enough to like jump into real training and actually get somewhere. And it yeah. just sounds like that might be what you did, which is yeah. just, that was the, that was the Kirk plan, man. I'm telling you, it's exactly what I did. So it's yeah. very interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I was very satisfied doing that. Um, and then, but I got, I got all in on after that second race, I got all in on like following all the Spartan pros, following Bracken was one of the first people I looked up to Ryan Kent, Hunter McIntyre, Robert Killian, just like looking at like what they do is like, hey, you know, they're making a career out of this. It would be cool if I can go to a race, get on a podium and like I don't know, I had this like attitude, like I just wasn't done yet. You know, like when your college my college career just got cut and it wasn't my own decision. I was like, I wasn't done yet, but I didn't know what to do. Um so I did I signed up for my third race, which was the Nashville Spartan race in Fort Campbell. And I got back from church camp. I had like two months to train and I ran Like, every other day, I did CrossFit, high-intensity workouts, like, 20 minutes. Um, Still didn't run more than, like, 20 miles a week, just as fast as possible. And then I went to the race, and I got third place. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm literally, like, one of the best racers of all time. Like, I just had this big head. (laughs) I had this big head. I was like, it's my third race ever. And I got on the elite podium. Like, I was so – I was just so – like, I was so happy. And I was so – like, because I never really got – like success with running in high school and college, like that. You know, I never got. I was never the fastest guy. I never won a race. Um, I never like held like a big trophy where people like knew who I was. But like, so like, I was like, oh my god, this is my thing, I guess. You know, I, I'm an obstacle course racer, and I didn't even know it.
0: You made 500 bucks.
2: Oh, I got third. I got third, so I made, I got 100 bucks. I was, 100 like, I bucks, my... even better. Yeah, I, won, I was like, I won half my money back. It's like this is amazing. And like, I went down there with two friends. Um, they ran the race. Um, and they were like, we, we were walking out and I had my podium and they were like holding it and they were like showing people like when we were walking out, like they were so like, they were more happy than I was. And I was like, this is, Dude, this is awesome.
1: That first podium, man, it took me over a year to get it, but I will never, nothing will mean more than that first podium. No matter if I win a U.S. national series race, nothing will mean more than that podium. Bracken, what about you?
2: Well, your first podium was your first race, right?
0: Yeah. But I mean, oh, yeah. there was a sword. So that was cool. And people people are in awe of it, right? It's not like at a 5K where you go up and get your plate or whatever they give you for your plaque and walk away and like six people clap and the rest are over eating bananas. It's a a real experience for the first time. And you think like, you're right. I am the big dog.
2: Yeah. I was like, I'm going to post on my Instagram. Like all my friends from church camp are going to see.
0: Do you remember... I remember following the pros
1: in my first podium, and I just lusted at all the pros or the good guys would post their podium photos yeah. after race. Weekend. And I thought getting on that podium was the best thing that could possibly happen. And I would have reoccurring dreams in bed at night, I would say once a week, about me podiuming and standing on a race and then getting to post it on Instagram. So yeah. everybody is could that see so it. dumb.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> so dumb. Listen, I have probably run i don't know 100 road races in my life and you know you go up and get your age group or your overall trophy and after a while it's almost like do we even bother waiting around for these things anymore maybe they'll mail it maybe they won't unless there's a gift card or something i'm not waiting around it has never once lost its luster in ocr going up on a podium having a crowd there having your name announced having applause i mean it's super egotistical and self-focused but it does not change. Like we joke about how many trophies I've thrown away. Like the trophy has gotten old. The experience of the podium never dulls.
2: No. And that's why like, like, that's why I'm going to keep like, I'm not done. Like, cause I have this disease or whatever. Like I'm still, I'm chasing that feeling still. Yeah. And I'm excited to get back to that feeling. Um, but no, I remember that first time Um, like I'm part of a big running group back home, like road running group community. And I post in the Facebook, like, look at this. Like, nobody's ever done this in our community before. And I was like, oh. I was just so big headed then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I remember my first Kirk. I'm sure you remember your first, the feeling that struck me was now this is me. Yeah. I'll probably never miss a podium again. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll probably win worlds within the next year or two. <laughs> what What was your next race after that?
2: Uh, next race was until the next racing season um, in 20. 20- so that was 2017, 2018, my um, spring semester of college, senior year of college. So I was kind of like checked out of college and I was like, let's let's do some Spartan racing at the end of April. Um, I remember buying the season pass. It was like $1,000. And I was like, oh, in two, in two races, I'll win that back, yeah. <laughs> um, which didn't happen. But the next one was Fort Benning. It's when I met Jordan Bushimi, like an actual like good obstacle course racer. And he beat the crap out of me that day. And, I, and I, But I finished on the podium again in third. Um And I had a streak there in 2018, like my first five or six races, I finished third or second place, um, which was awesome.
1: You were picking the Midwest non-series races, I believe. Oh yeah, too, right? I didn't do any,
2: oh, I was cherry picking. I didn't even know what, I didn't really know what cherry picking a race was. I was just going to <laughs> the Southeast and the Midwest, which I guess were not good people, not a lot of good people were showing right. up to. Did either
0: of us do run into you that year?
2: Uh, I didn't run into you, Brack, until Chicago Stadium at the soccer stadium oh yeah yeah i did west virginia and i got like 20th place but um all the other races were small local ones and like finished like top five at all of them okay kirk what were you gonna say
1: well the mistake i made i don't know if you remember this bracken because you were coaching me during these days um was I just thought I was a, a big fish in a sense. So I went right for the US national series not knowing anything. Yeah. Remember you had to you had to call Robert Koble and get special exception to get me in mm-hmm. and get us because it was sold out. Here I am like I'm going and taking like umpteenth place. I never had a chance at a podium. I thought I was a piece of shit. <laughs> like because I didn't have that perspective. So it took me a long time. I'm glad I did it that way in hindsight, but in the time it was very humble.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I did it the way I did because I really learned how to do the obstacles and be an obstacle course racer without like any of the pressure, basically of like I a big race.
1: I just remember flying. I flew to Seattle and I took 17th place in my first U.S. National Series race. Pretty good. I'm gonna go to Monterey and do better. I went to Monterey and took 18th place, and then I'm like, I am a chump. I'm flying all the way to these places, no yeah. runs, races to take 18th place. I really reevaluated what I did at the time, but I would I would have much rather done it your way.
0: Yeah. The way you start really changes a your perspective of who you are but b the public perspective of who you are i mean i look at at kirk and it wasn't until he had a national series performance that he got some notoriety in the sport mm-hmm. because he was languishing in the late teens at big races yeah where nick you got some buzz early on because you were getting podiums at small races yeah and so <laughs> But your then your identity was tied to podiums. Yeah, and so in your eyes, when you weren't getting them, it was it was different for you. Whereas Kirk's was, I'm constantly getting closer and closer. But mm. he, I started off where there's nobody around, and so my identity was was win or top three. And when that doesn't happen, it feels like it was a terrible performance, even if the, the sport got better. Where Kirk's like the moment he gets that national series podium it'll be the greatest and now even a third like wouldn't feel the same after first it's it's bizarre the the path mm-hmm. you choose and yeah. you guys both started around the same time but chose opposite ends of the spectrum how it shapes your experience
1: yeah and i don't know what the best way is i don't know
0: what no? the best way
1: is but
0: so continued on your spartan journey nick well first there's one way of telling what's the best way what's your record against each other head to head are we tied uh you, you beat me once at jacksonville and I beat you in Seattle.
1: Oh, that's right. You did beat me in Seattle.
2: That was kind of like my coming out part, yeah. Um and then That's right.
1: You beat me past me doing burpees. I burpeed the freaking, uh what was
2: it? The monkey. monkey in yeah. Seattle. Um and then West Virginia, you got me. I think we're tied. Two two. Um you might be three-two, I don't know. Oh, it's
1: probably
0: like ten, two.
2: We haven't raced against each other much. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I think I don't know. I, we haven't raced against each other much. No. Okay, so it doesn't settle it. We don't know what yeah. the best path for an aspiring pro racer is. Yeah, you're making consistent podiums, and then when did you jump into the deep end of the pool? Uh,
2: North America Championship 2018 was my first one. um When I was getting those podiums early on in 2018, I was still only running like 20 miles a week. Um, it's still lifting like a bro. Uh, but I was just like, I don't know, I was the competition was amazing um jordan bushimi and i became really good friends and that was kind of like the person like my white whale i was chasing to try to beat one day uh and then i got to west virginia and i got smacked around because i wasn't in shape for it i was like well i got to start probably running more miles um a lot more miles so i signed up for a marathon so it would give me some motivation to do it um and then that le- rest of that 2018 season i just kind of did small races but it was the first time I really, outside of college, I was like, okay, let's, I, I downloaded Strava and then that's how I tracked all my progression. I was like, finally running like 40, 50 mile weeks um, consistently. And then I ran that marathon. I didn't, I DNF, but um, it kind of just gave me that, just how, how to become a, a, a long distance runner again. You know, I wasn't, I was just a guy running as fast as possible every single day. And then I finally broke it down to like easy days and running running how you're supposed to and doing actual workouts like back and doing interval workouts and finding trails again um that was kind of like my
0: 2018 season did you script that yourself
2: yeah yeah i've always been self-coach nice
0: what what made you finally decide like for a marathon or did you already always know i this is how i would have to do it i just don't feel like doing anything about running fast
2: yeah yeah so like so i did a spartan sprint coming off of like a small injury and i was only running like 15, 20 miles a week. And like that sprint, like it gassed me out. And I look back at my training, I was like, well, I'm not probably running a lot. And I talked to Jordan, like how, what he does. And like, he, he like he's run like 30, 40 miles. Like, well, he's beating my butt. So I should probably at least run more. Ran the West Virginia race and like ran out of gas. Um, and then I just kind of like sat down and then I started looking at, like started getting Strava and started following all the top people to sport. And like, well, they're all putting in high mileage um and if i want to compete against them i finally thought it sort of clicked to me like if i want to i'm I'm going all in on the sport so i got to start doing bigger races and start mm-hmm. competing and get my name out there um so yeah one day it just like clicked gotcha. that i gotta start doing more miles but I, I did i did sign up for the marathon to give me motivation for it
1: yeah i would argue that you don't need to do more miles i'm not one of the high mileage athletes but you need to do high volume at least
2: at yeah for me i knew i just what that's all i knew i needed to do more high mileage i'm a the high volume, like doing, being on the rower for an hour, being on the bike, I don't think that translates well for me. And like, if I can go out and run for an hour, I'd much rather that was going to, that's going to translate so much better to me
0: than like being on the rower. Okay. So you DNF your marathon, but you laid the the foundation of what came next and what did come next?
2: Um, A big 2019 year. I feel like came next. Um, You know, I did the first national series race and I, wasn't in race shape for it, but I, I still felt like I competed well. And then, um, it took, something clicked in me where I just, I just became really consistent. I, in all of 2019, if you look back, if I can look back at my log, there's only like two weeks that I ran less than like 45 miles a week in all of 2019. I did get hurt. Um, and yeah, I went out to my, my big race. I went out to Seattle. I wasn't really expecting much. And I got top 10 at a national series race. And I remember crossing the line. I was just like, like a kid at a candy store or something. It was 20 degrees there, but I felt like I was on fire. Basically. I felt like I got eighth place and I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. I called my dad and he was so happy for me. I was like, this is what I've been training for. Um, you beat Kempson. You beat myself. Be, you beat you be Kempson. My and, other names. Yeah. Rich came, maybe. Yeah. And I came like, and I wasn't, and the best thing, I just wasn't expecting anything in that race. Cause I got like 20th in Jacksonville. And I went out there just to get some more experience and I ran a great race. You know, I started off slow actually. And then I finally finished hard and I was like, I just finally saw what I was working for. Like Mm -hmm. when you, like when you do a big training block and it just pays off, there's just, it's just not a better feeling than that. When you just see your fruits of your labor, just finally working off. And I use that momentum for the rest of 2019, basically. And you popped some more races if yeah. i'm not mistaken you popped a number of races yeah and there. like the next race i did was the chicago race and i i raced like stride for stride with bracken for a couple miles and that was the first race like that i felt like i actually like proved something because like killian beerman bracken was there i've never been able to keep you guys in eyesight and i kept you guys in eyesight the entire race and that's when you know it just finally clicked with me like i could be a professional athlete in this if i just keep Just being consistent. That's all. I was just Mr. Consistency in 2019.
0: I hadn't taken you seriously because there's always that next group of guys who say that I'm going to do this next or people say, oh, this is the next person. But my my thing is always until I feel it on a course, I don't trust it. Yeah. And that day in Chicago, um, I don't know if you knew at the time, but I was prepping for a 50K with the ultimate on the trails with the goal to be to do the Tahoe Ultra that year. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I had good endurance and I had actually run a pretty decent road mile mm-hmm. that summer as well. Mm-hmm. So I was fit. I was fast. Um, I had good stay power and we got out and I realized I'm not as like fast, fast on nasty terrain as I should be, but I felt mm-hmm. fine. And you were right there and you kind of passed me back and forth on some things. And then the second half, I made a concerted effort to try to run Veerman and killing down mm-hmm. and I couldn't, but I, I had good staying power. Cause I was prepping for 50 K. Yeah. Every time I glanced back, you were still, there mm-hmm. i didn't think you were gonna beat me but i also knew i couldn't drop you yeah and that's that moment when you realize you can't drop someone even if that day i was confident that i was going to beat you i wasn't confident that i was better than you if that makes sense
2: yeah yeah i remember that race so well it was that little paintball field where yeah. you had to like, do, make like three or four turns and you put like a half a second on me every turn Like there i just didn't like attack those turns like you did but and that you beat me like I was like four or five seconds behind you the whole time to like the last half mile.
0: Yeah. And it took that. And I I attacked that thing because I knew this might be the place where I can do something. I didn't know if you were an athlete at the time yet, but I thought if I accelerate and cut and cut maybe, and it took like a, it took a cagey veteran move to yeah. gap you, which again, that's why I was like, I don't think I'm better than this guy today. I'm going to beat him, but I'm not better. And that day I realized, okay this guy's for real. And because I've been doing this for a decade, he has a lot more room to improve than I did. So you, you arrived in my mind that day in Chicago.
2: Yeah. And, that, and I think so as well, because I finished that race and you go, because you remember me from one race last year you Go, you've really stepped it up. And I was like, yeah, just who would have yeah. thought assistant training every week pays <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> and that was the thing. I'd seen you twice and they were mm-hmm. a year apart. And the first time you were this muscular looking runner who I saw and then I didn't see and then the next time you were a r- high level racer and it was it was like, oh, this, this guy had that jump.
2: Yeah.
0: And then I believe you went to Asheville later in the year and had a good race.
1: You went to maybe Michigan or Ohio, had yeah. a good race. You basically playing right with Mark Gaudet and
2: some others. I got 12 podiums in 2019. Um, race gets a lot of good people. Logan Broadbent, Mark Goddard, uh Chris Brown. You know, veer me a couple of times and I, and I hung and I hung my own against them. And I just like a year before that, I just couldn't imagine doing that. So, yeah, at 2019 was really like I was 23 years old. You know, like I said, it's like same story. Like, I was in a job like wasn't very I was working customer service for a health insurance company. So like, I didn't care about it at all. I just cared about training. No girlfriend, living with my parents. Like that was that's kind of just like what I wanted to do. And I,
0: I really attacked it that year. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Kirk and I have said this many times, but in in running, if someone consistently keeps hitting right around the range of their same PR, you know, they're ready for that breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Like a PR is a one-off day where you think the stars align and you spike and you hit it. But when you hit, let's say your PR is five minutes a mile and you hit five to 505 consistently, you're ready to run 450. It just takes the day. Yeah, And that's where we all saw you as. You went from Podium meaningless little races. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but to, no, to, to the top <laughs> and you look at like, yeah. Oh, that's a regional race. So suddenly yeah. 12 podiums in one year, and you're nipping at our heels, and we realized this guy's consistently hanging with everyone. It's only a matter of time before he pops that race where he beats you all. And then once you pop that one, that kind of becomes your new baseline of now I can consistently beat people and then I'll pop big wins type of deal. Yeah. And then you were derailed. yeah this was your coming out party and that brings us back to where we are right now assuming you get over this six to nine months what's your scope in this sport because you haven't gone after a world championship race yet you haven't gone after some of those which is rare in the sport people usually throw themselves to the wolves quicker like kirk talked about how he did you've held back so assuming you get back and then become what you say and we say you're going to become? What's that trajectory look like?
2: Man, That's a great question. Uh, You know, if you were to ask me two weeks before Jacksonville in 2021, I would have said, you know, the goal was to be a top five contender at every national series race. I don't care if it was a mountain race. I don't care elevation. I don't care if it's a flat race, the distance. That was going to be my goal. And I still believe I can be that. I still believe I can be a consistent top five name for a lot of years. Um, it's just my time frame's all messed up now.
0: Yeah, let's throw that out the window. 2022, yeah. you wait that whole year. It's 2022 stadium. I mean, the normal series starts up. You are top five at everything. When do you jump into the world championship style race? Is it then, or do you have a longer game you're playing?
2: Yeah, I was gonna plan on doing Abu Dhabi this year. Um, only reason why i couldn't do tahoe in 2019 because the job i had i got a promotion and i was like well i should probably at the same time i was like oh well, you know career still is pretty important which i don't work there anymore so that kind of was a waste but yeah the world championship i was going to go all in you know i was i got alerts on my phone still for flights to abu dhabi and i was looking forward to competing at the world championship event and you know maybe still be able to this year who knows but um Yeah, I'm done kind of playing these regional races. I'll still do it. I kind of want to just be all in on the top races, top stadium races, top North America championship races. You know, I want to compete against the best at OCR Worlds. You know, I'm kind of done with getting a first place or second place at the Fort Campbell Spartan doesn't really show any interest with me anymore.
1: Yeah. As an athlete, knowing yourself pretty well, what do you think you need to improve on in order to consistently be that top five athlete health aside currently
2: um work my weaknesses like i'm not a big you know go out and do a high 20 mile run like in the trails which you don't have to but uh my weakness is still is that hour like hour 90 minute mark i fall off pretty quickly um that's going to come with age but that's my biggest weakness what i need to work on is just that stay power um that i need to have for like a two-hour race that's going to be a world championship level Mm mm-hmm I can't argue with that. And how to, and how to get there, um, I'm not for sure yet, but it's just going to be more consistency and build on top of that once I get
0: healthy. I see a lot of Ryan Kempson in you and your progression. He yeah. was the guy that we kind of like, <laughs> you know, smiled at Riley when he'd go out and lead a race and blow up. And I was just watching um, West Virginia races. Yeah. <laughs> he was leading the race or like in second place, like five years ago. Uh, yeah, Five years ago he was. 2017. Four years ago. Four years ago, he was leading West Virginia. No, The announcers didn't know who he was, and we never saw him up in the front again, and then suddenly now he's a top three guy there.
2: Yeah, and I thought to Ryan a lot about it and look at it, and I was like, and I've gone out hot in a couple of the big races I've done. West Virginia 2019, I went out hot. You sure did. I listened to, I listened to this ultra podcast, and this guy goes, you know, some of my best ultras is when I just go out really hard, and I'm not in shape for it, and I just kind of stick around. I'm like yeah, why not? <laughs> and my dad was like, do that. That sounds awesome. My dad knows nothing about running.
1: Nothing. <laughs> you weren't cheap, though. That though. That was the year that, I mean, you were racing really well that year. So that was, like, that was a cerebral decision. That yeah. wasn't a, a dumb decision based on how racing was going for you.
0: And it's that thing that makes me feel Kempson-ish about you, where the people that don't have that aren't going to blow up, but they're never going to break through big time. You don't pop a race cautiously. And so you have that that boomer bust capability that leads to more booms than busts as your endurance career progresses. And no one worries about a a cautious racer. People worry about the guy who's capable of blowing himself up because he doesn't care about what you do in a race. And so again, I'm optimistic that your 2022 looks like that.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, like if I can become a next better than Ryan Kimson, you know, that's that he's one of the best in the sport. So that's all you can really, that's all I can ask for right
0: now. If all you can ask for is to be better than Ryan Kempson, I think that's all right. Yeah, that's
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> Nick, as we work on wrapping this thing up, mostly because yeah. I got to be done by four. I have clients at the gym at four thirty.
2: Same
1: thing. Um, yeah, same for you. So you get it. Um, let's just uh, you know bookend this conversation that started with your health. Um, what uh, what does the next like I don't know one to three months look like for you? Like, what's the day to day look like for you? What's your plan? How are we coming
2: out of this thing? What are you doing? My diet has been my number one thing. I'm trying to get better. Um, looking up just there's just so much out there about this condition. Like everybody's diet's different.
1: By the way, so I have a degree in naturopathic medicine and I and I wow. studied a lot of GI issues and holistic nutrition. And I have a profound book. I have two copies. In fact, it's called Patient Heal Thyself by Jordan Rubin. And if you want, I will send it. But he had Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and figured out a way to heal himself. It's a very, very, very good book. Either buy it or I'll send you mine. But it might be of interest.
2: Yeah, send me the link or something. I'll buy it. Continue. Um, yeah, so just trying to find my right diet. I've gone pretty much gluten-free, trying to be just... I'm trying out a bunch of stuff. So that's kind of been in my experimenting day-to-day on a lot of different medications right now. I'm starting next week. I'm going to be starting... What are you all on? Tell us what you're on. I'm on... Let's just get the old backpack out here. I'm on this prednisone steroid. I'm on cyclosporine. I'm on brucinidide, something like that. So I take up to like seven pills a day. I'm on, I take omega-3 fatty acids, probiotics pills. Is this a guy that never took medication before this? Yeah, I've never took, I don't take vitamins. I've never drank protein shakes or anything before this. Um, but the next step is IV- infusion, the drug's called Intivio. So I'll do that for a couple of weeks, do that, go back two weeks later, four weeks later, six weeks later, eight weeks later. And that all the research there show people to go back in remission like 80% of the time. So that gives me a lot of hope. Um, the IV therapy, I think it takes like two or three hours for it to drip in you, cause it's a slow drip. Um, so that's kind of what I'm at right now. It's trying to, I'm also at a difficult part where this summer my dad retires. And I get off his health insurance, so I gotta get my own health insurance, and that's kind of getting me stressed out a little
0: bit. You're still so young. I know. <laughs> I mean that in a good way. Like, yeah, it's it's frustrating to transition to that. I'm on my own insurance, but yeah, your timetable is so wide open for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is so you know it, it gets me a lot of There I've had a lot of down a lot of down weeks these past couple of weeks, just absolutely. Absolutely miserable. I mean, I was in the best shape of my life. And then you go to a race and you can't perform how you want to. And then mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, getting emotional again. But then like my first time moving out of my, I know this is silly, but first time moving out of my parents' house and it's all happening. It's like, gosh, wish sometimes I could just be home. And, uh, mm. but I'm getting a good spot. got a good, you know, Nashville has been good to me. It's a great place to grow, great place to meet people. It's a great place to do a lot of things, get your mind off the stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, just moving on just day by day. that's all you can. that's all I can do right now. It's day by day, try to get better
1: when you when you wake up in the morning, like what is your thought process now? like hold your hold on. I don't know what the day's bringing me like like what 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 do you think feel you're all out of bed every morning right now
2: uh, the mornings are the worst for me by far. That's where it's the condition's really bad. So I actually hate the mornings, but I wake up, I try to go to bed the night before and have some sort of a plan like get out of bed get moving don't lay in bed because that's really easy to do with my thing you know uh go play with my dog you know try to do other fun stuff and like i write out like a small little body weight workout it's like that's what i need to do before work just get a little sweat in and have you know have fun with it a little bit um but i wake up and i'm like "Ah, just not the same i look myself in the mirror and i'm like god where did my where did my weight go Mm-hmm. and uh i talk to people in my gym They're like man i wish i could lose 20 pounds i'm like yeah i bet you could man it's 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 not fun i'll tell you that though, the way i did it um but i look myself in the mirror then i'm like you know it's gonna come back it's just gonna take time it's gonna come back um and then i try to just plan out my meals accordingly try to be gluten-free try to eat okay and then go home and do something you know get out of the house go to the dog park go meet up with friends or do something go hey my brother just try not to because those weeks when I was kind of depressed, just like sitting at home just did not help. You know, I just got to go do something. That's like my goal every day. Just go do something, meet somebody new.
1: When you get out of bed, then you don't even know if you're going to be able to train that day necessarily. Kind of let your body tell you. Yeah. Or do you have a plan?
2: Yeah, I I try to. I got some stuff. Like I try to get to the gym a little early. I got some stuff in my house. Once I get going, the afternoons, I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better. So that's where... I've never been an afternoon workout guy. I've always been a morning guy like 5 30, 6 AM. So that's been getting some time to getting used to. But if I could just I know if I could just make it to the afternoon, it's gonna get a lot better. But that getting to the afternoon whew, is miserable sometimes.
0: Is the afternoon better no matter what? Or do you have to earn it through being active in the morning?
2: I gotta earn it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You can't just have a second half day work a second or third shift job and be great. Yeah. 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 I gotta earn it. A lot of a lot of people who uh, have a little bit less to complain about today.
2: Biggest person suffering is my dog. I ran with my dog every single day, and he doesn't get to run anymore. We were going to do a dog mile in St. Louis in June. He was looking forward to it. Get a little can across? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a pretty good runner, man. He's a little. If I'm if I'm in shape and he's in shape, we'll go four twenty at a mile.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: I like that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, those little bits like that you're doing, even though it seems super trivial right now, like that little bit of running when you can, a little bit of circuit strength work with probably baby weights compared to what you're used to. Yeah. That holds you over more than you think. It holds you over more than you think. Probably doesn't feel like it right now.
2: No, not at all. But just being active is like what I've researched a lot too. People are like, I don't want to be active, but you have to be. Just like It just helps the body. helps the mental health more than anything right now. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I can't wait to see how this shakes out for you once, uh, once we're
2: on our way out the other side of this thing, yeah. man, I really, do me too. it's going to be, it's going to be good. Give me a good time. Just do a race and, you know, it gets. to, uh, I've, I've always said running is a privilege and it's just, it's just so much more now. It's just so much more of a privilege
0: than what people think. That first big podium at a big race would have been a huge justification to you, but now it's going to be a, a much bigger reward. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be way here. I'm looking forward to it
1: main reason i wanted to have you on this podcast and talk about this nick is because i saw your post and your post didn't do it justice because you weren't people don't understand what this disease is and what it can do because they don't know any better right you don't know what you don't know and so some people i think read that and they and they understood i'm sorry nick that you're dealing with this but people don't understand the ins and outs of how this really controls your life when it's not going well and so i wanted people to hear i knew this story was going to go this way because i've heard it from others and I know how terrible it can be. And so I just wanted people to hear your story so they, they understand that when Nick's fucking up there on the podium, again, there's going to be another level of admiration for wh- how that happens. So
2: thank you. I can't wait, man. And, you know, a lot of and I got to take it with a grain. So a lot of people go through, you know, I don't have colon cancer. You know, the physical, the physical therapist at our gym just found out he has throat cancer. Like there's just so much more. It could be worse. So you got to be grateful about that too. Like young with this condition, it's going to get better. Um, Yeah. If anybody got like issues, like it's going to get better and just pray for everybody. Hope everything's going to get better.
1: I do have one last question with this and I know. And, and so we don't get into faith much on this podcast or politics, right? We yeah. Stay away. From it, but I know you're a very strong man of faith. Try to be. Um, I'm not as strong a man of faith as you are, um, not even close. But how do you, how do you lean on that times like this? Oh,
2: it makes you question it. It makes yeah. you question it.
1: Um, it, won't, it won't one day when you have the perspective that 99.9% of humans don't. That's what I'm going to tell you.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's the end goal. But, like, you know, I remember, like, when my rib was an issue, I was just so angry at God. Mm-hmm. And, and it took me a while to get over it. And, like, I used it as, like, you know, it's my opportunity to get closer. And then when I was in the ER, I'm like, God, I'm so mad. I was, oh, sorry. I was like, I'm so mad. And now weeks have gone by, and I'm like, it's just my opportunity to get a little closer. And that's kind of the perspective. And one day, you know, like you said, ninety nine percent, it's gonna, it's gonna pay off, and none of it's gonna matter. It's not gonna be any more pain. It's gonna feel good. God, I'm not, and I'm not a, and I'm not a crier.
0: But listen, you've dedicated, you've dedicated the several straight years of your life to one specific pursuit. And it was ripped out of your hands painfully and embarrassingly yeah if there was a reason to cry that's it <laughs> you know, that's emotions show passion and you yeah. can't fake passion there's gonna be a lot of people that
1: relate to this in in their own way so um appreciate you being so open man i'll tell you what this has been good for me to hear again just like for my own perspective and i've been through something pretty shitty you know so uh it's man I feel I'm with you there, and it's good to hear again, even, you know, years later. So thank you for
0: that. No problem, guys. Everyone loves a comeback story. Everyone. And this is going to resonate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, any,
0: anything else? I know we, we got deep there again
1: at the end. Anything else yeah. you want to add to any of that? I uh,
2: just want to thank my parents, my brother, my sister, my other brother. Uh, they're my rock. Um, you know, people at Torque, the optical racing collaboration that I helped start, um, uh, they're amazing. They've really been helpful with me. VJ uh, Shoes, Matt. He's he reached out several times. Like said, hey, don't worry about anything. You're good to go. But uh, all my friends here at the gym in Nashville. Like, I, you know, I started this new job at the same time this condition went on, and my boss has been awesome. You know, so I got a lot of good people in my corner that I'm really grateful for.
1: And you're coaching too, right? Why don't you tell people about? Yeah, it?
2: I coach. I coach. Um, I coach a handful of clients. Um. You know, I'm not probably as in deep as you guys probably are in your coaching, like outlining like every little thing. I'm a very like, you know, I give you your plan. If you could do it through this week, that's awesome. I'm not very big micromanaging people. Uh, we're all adults. But, um, you know, my clients were killing it. You know, Kevin Thompson is one of my clients. He just got third place at a Savage race not too long ago. Uh, I got a client named Micah. He got on the um his age group podium in Jacksonville Sprint. So, you know, I, I believe in really give me a lot of people freedom with their training and uh it's working out for a lot of people just really just try and make them be consistent as possible That's and fantastic. if you want to just reach out just instagram i got a link tree there and you can find my number and email on there
0: nothing makes coaches better than adversity I'll tell you that you yeah. are going to not that i think you struggle with it but you're going to continually be better and better as an empathetic coach the more you go through these things so oh, yeah i mean your struggle is their gain
2: yeah yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't think coaching, like I, I just started it and you know, I really love it. I really love writing plans. I really love seeing people, you know, hit an awesome PR, do an awesome at a race. Um, so yeah, I'm going to keep doing that as long as I, as long as I want to, as long as people keep having me.
1: I'll tell you what, I know we both got butts to kick. This has been one of my favorite conversations, Nick.
2: Yeah. You guys are good guys. I love, I love this show. You guys are good people. Thank you. Good people.
1: Thanks brother. Problem. Well, we appreciate your time and being open. Thank you again. Yeah.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.